0: Welcome to Rooster Radio, I'm Andrew Montessi with James Begley. Today we sit down with NRL legend Anthony Minicello, the former captain of the Sydney Roosters who holds the record for most games and most tries at the club. Anthony is as decorated as they come. He was a New South Wales State of Origin representative, played for both Australia and Italy and won the Golden Boot Award for International Player of the Year in 2005. We talked about the tough transition out of elite sport, something Anthony planned for, but many of his mates didn't and faced personal struggles as a result. Anthony's career coincided with a big shift in the commercialisation of sport. He talked about the evolution, from his first contract worth 10 grand and a skinful of beer after every match, to the professional game it is today. Anthony also shares lessons learned from his humble upbringing, how he built a broad network and interests outside of rugby league, ...and the challenge of growing the game nationally. Minnie was in Adelaide to promote the Roosters' clash with the storm... ...at Adelaide Oval on June 24... ...and was able to squeeze us in between promotional duties. This interview is syndicated with our other podcast, Off Field... ...which focuses on the world of sport outside of the arena. If you're interested in the business of sport, sports marketing and leadership... We've got some great interviews with the likes of Adam Gilchrist, Chris Scott, Dennis Cometti, Danny Green, and more. Check out offfield.co. That's off-field.co. But for now, enjoy our chat with Anthony Minicello.
1: Anthony Minicello, welcome to our podcast. No,
2: thank you guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, I want to know about whether you've thought that the transition from champion player, highly decorated, to now just uh, ordinary worker was going to be as hard uh, or as easy as what it has been?
2: Um, look, my case is probably different than a lot of other others. Uh, I think every professional sportsman finds it hard and daunting. I definitely found it daunting, but uh, I was pretty lucky in the sense where I played 18 years at the Roosters. That was my only club. I didn't move teams at all so um, we had a a good understanding of each other and I was already planning um, you know three years prior or actually you know I had a had a string of injuries when i was 26 27 28 29 in four years in a row i had two back operations a neck and then an ankle uh and and i was at the top of my game in 2005 as well with winning a couple individual awards so that really hit home um that you know this career doesn't last forever and what would i do if um if it all ended tomorrow you know so i always loved working with kids so i had an idea of uh, creating mini fit as a brand um, and i didn 't really sort of start that until I was thirty and that was just kids' fitness health and fitness programs, primary school kids um, you know holiday clinics, birthday parties, school term stuff and i had had that sort of up and going in two thousand and ten or well, just st- sort of started the business really um, the business name and sort of got it going in two thousand and twelve thirteen uh, so I had that sort of um, business idea. Uh, behind me, and the roosters had offered me uh, position um, a year prior to my retirement, so my transition was a lot smoother than others, and I was pretty lucky uh, but you know i 've had mates that are still struggling now from retirement you know like it's it's uh, it 's massive in sport, and I think it 's a big talking point as well because you know sadly some of my friends as well um, have sadly passed away um, with uh, depression and, and that type of stuff. So it's very um prevalent today. But mm. I think um yeah, some of my mates are if, well, the thing is it's it's hard to um get those highs again. Like you in sport you you ride the highs and there's lows and highs from a weekly basis and everyone judges you as well. But you know, when you get those highs of winning a grand final or winning an origin match or a test match or, or a big game, uh it's pretty much un, unmatched. Um with anything that you can achieve after that. So that's where people struggle. I think Mm. the camaraderie of it all and the feeling of that um, uh, putting in, you know, your absolute best and coming out victorious. Uh, But, you know, I, I, for me, I had other passions in life as well. You know, I'm I'm heavily into the health and fitness game and uh, I've got another uh, business now called Progression, and um, the guy that I work with through my injuries, um, we you know we've teamed up together to create a, a program that we can teach uh, and and get others involved. And we've just sort of started that this year that we're sort of pushing out there. So you know, that's that other people struggle to find their sort of um, uh, another passion, mm. I suppose, or their purpose again after their professional career. And um, yeah, for me it was. Get going into the the health and fitness sort of game and area. That's that's what I love as well.
0: So why don't more guys have a plan or or th- think that far ahead? I mean, do they get just completely absorbed in what they're doing at the time? I
2: look, guys, think they do think ahead now because the NRL have changed a lot uh, since when I first came in the first grade in two thousand. It was. Just um, you know, do your best. See you later. Thanks for your time here. But now, every under twenties player needs to be working or studying, otherwise they can't play on the weekend. Um, if I want to do a course, or the one of the pl- NRL players want to do a course, the NRL will pay uh, half, if not um, three quarters of that course for them. So there is guys doing plenty of guys in the NRL doing courses and stuff. But it, it's it's hard to prepare for I suppose the the outside world after you retire because to be honest, everything's given to you as well. Like everything's done, you're bided by the schedule, Um, you know, you go overseas, you just hand your passport over, everything's filled in, you don't need to send any emails, you don't need to do a thing, you know? And that's where um, I suppose we all struggle, you know, getting that routine or daily, um, going through daily life and actually doing it for yourself. Let's go back to the when you
1: started then and, and the differences between then and now. Um, we do love talking about the business of
2: sport. Can you remember what your first contract was worth and in what year? Yep, yep, 1996. Uh, this is a funny story. I um, I was in year 10 at Liverpool Patrician Brothers and I actually got suspended for five days <laughs> with a couple of my mates all just mucking around in the science lab and trying, mucking throwing, water, around. Water, <laughs> throwing water bombs. And <laughs> the teacher walked in and obviously my one hit Straight his head straight away. Oh dear! <laughs> got sent to the office, and I actually got suspended for five days. I remember walking home that from the bus stop that day, and I was like, Shit, "I'm going to tell my dad because he was, you know, pretty hard ass um, when he wanted to be." And um, you know, he just bought me a, a car. Just had just got my license. Uh, I had a Laser TX3 it's a turbo, <laughs> <laughs> a turbo good. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so I got home and I told my mum. she says, wait till your father gets home. And yeah, he blew up and wanted to sell the car. And uh, so the first day of my um, suspension, I had to do all the chores, cut the garden, cut the grass, do everything. And then the next day, the Roosters rang up and their football manager offered me a two-year contract. And then it was happy days for the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, was, it was worth 10 grand. Wow. <laughs> it was, yeah. a, a year or plus matches? 10 grand, or? A, year, 10 grand a year plus there was a bonus for another 10 grand if I made the New South Wales side. And I, I did that year too. So, mate, I was 16 and I owned 20, 20 grand and I was like mate. cheering. And, felt, and managed, managed to, to keep rich. the car. Too. Yeah,
0: managed to keep the car. and Yep. <laughs> what was the… In those early days, what was the day to day like? I mean, did most of the guys at the time have jobs? Um, how were they? What? How was their world split? Well, yeah, no, most of the guys didn't. Um, okay.
2: Most of the guys come straight out of school and straight into the system, or they will train maybe um, of a morning. Or if you're young, we'll train at night, and that mm. was it. Um, but my, you know, I was in year ten, and once I got off of that contract, I was like, "Yep, yeah, this is what I want to do." To my parents on a play for the Roosters now, first grade, and my dad said, no, you either finish year 11 and 12 or you go get yourself a trade in, in, and you're not just going to ha- go do the Roosters and do nothing else. You need to have a backup plan. So uh, I chose to get a trade and he helped me get a job at um, out at Austral, uh, so a bit further out from where we live, past Preston's at Liverpool. And um, yeah, I, I worked there for three years doing my apprenticeship, so I'd get up early in the morning, um, drive a bit further out, work till about 3, 3.30 and then drive all the way into the city. The M5 wasn't what it is now. So I was um, about an hour and 15 minutes, sometimes hour and a half with traffic and train all night and then drive all the way home and have dinner, go to bed and do it again the next day. So wow, that was, um, you know. My parents got a really strong work ethic and that was really instilled in us kids as, gr- as growing up. So I think that those three years definitely helped me with will uh, mm. definitely shape me the way I've... How fortunate then do you feel having had that experience
1: now versus kids who come into the system where it's just full-on rugby from the moment that they're you know, contracted?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, like, I've, um, It was a great experience for me, you know, having... Uh, that work life and then coming back to play some footy, um, that balance was good. Um, I think yeah, you need to have other interests other than footy because, you know, at the end of the day, the, un- the average amount of games in the NRL is only two and a half seasons and it's not, not much at all. And, it, you know, if you go past my SG ball team, there was only three guys that played first grade in the team. So, you know, the odds aren't stacked against, uh, they are stacked against you, yeah, so um, you need to make sure that you have a, a backup plan and, and that's why the youngsters and the NRL put that in place now where they have to do study or, or work, so uh,
0: it's a much better system now, yeah. Throughout your career, how did you see the evolution of professionalism take place?
2: Yeah, yeah, so when I first come into first grade year 2000, uh, you finish a game and there was ice baths full of
1: beers
2: (laughs) you're in the shower and you're on the beers straight away really in 2000 yep go back to the club and it was just all on you just get blind until uh the club the league's club closes (laughs) now it's you know ice bars that you have to jump into (laughs) no beers at all but there has been a a, a massive change through the mid 2000s with professionalism and nrl and and sort of getting rid of that um drinking culture, which is fantastic, but just in sports science as well, you know, everyone wearing GPSs now every day at training, everything is tracked from their speeds to uh, their caves no and, you know, there's no hiding at all in the game. So now everything's adapted individually to um, how hard the GPS said that you, um, you went tr- through the game, um, you know, uh, strength and conditioning has come up a long way. Um, so it has, and, and obviously uh, video analysis as well, you know, you can click on any player, any time, um, any year and watch what he does.
1: For those uh, listeners of ours that are familiar with the draft process and I guess the, um, the AFL game, yeah. how does the recruitment and, and the in, induction
2: program work from, from a league point of view? Yeah, back when I was playing early two thousands, there was a like a June thirty deadline. So you, if you were coming off contract uh, that year, uh, you weren't allowed to negotiate with any other club until June thirty. Um, now that's that deadline's gone. You can negotiate with a club, you know, two years down the track. So um, yeah, that's that's a lot different to what it, what it used to be. Um, so you know, everyone has. Uh, recruitment officers, full-time recruitment officers out there scouting, obviously youngsters. Um, that's you, you just want to try and get the youngsters and get them in our system early and, and feed them up through the lower grades and nurture them up. But, um, yeah, it's just um, yeah, we're, we're pretty fortunate at the Roosters that, you know, we live in a great area and uh, we're a great club with great history and, um, you know, we've got a really strong board. So, yeah, players want to come come to the roosters. So mm. uh, we never find it hard attracting good players, which is great.
0: You were a one-club player. I mean, it used to be quite common, but uh, is less and less these days. I mean, as someone who clearly has loyalty to the club and is an ambassador for the club, how do you feel about that? Yeah, obviously
2: the game now is a is a business. Um, you know, guy's out there making a million dollars a year. Um, which is you know unheard of uh, when when we first come into first grade, but that's that's great, good, good on. Them. That's that's one of the toughest sports in the world to play week in, week out, and year after year. Um, but you now for me, it was always thinking more long term, not just short term, and getting an extra you know a few hundred thousand in the next you know two three years. It was more what. Um, now, where I wanted to sort of live and settle after my career and that was in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and um, you know, staying at the Roosters, I knew that um, they would look after me because we had that great loyalty to each other. So I was thinking more long-term post-career and, um, yeah, thankful that um, I still got a job there. They can't get rid of me yet. <laughs> <laughs> Who were your mentors or
1: the influential people, maybe Beyond just the team and, and the administration, but did you lean on anyone, um, I guess to to guide you as you as you
2: went? Well, well, firstly it was my parents growing up. You now my dad, you know, worked multiple jobs. What did uh, they do, or what did my dad, dad do? was a uh, diesel mechanic, and he worked on the pipeline around Australia when we were really young. Um, so he was always away a, a lot, working to provide us. Um, a uh, Great life, none, none of my parents played sport. They weren't allowed to play you're sport. Kidding. Well, my parent, my mum wasn't allowed to play sport. Cause she grew up in a strict Italian family. My dad, come out when he was about fourteen and went straight to work because um, our grandfather got killed. So um, he would have just been peeking about this rugby thing that you're doing. <laughs> well, you know they were, they were they were great. They were like you know some Italians are like, no, no, no 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 the contact that no, that no, no. but um, it was like whatever sport we wanted to play. Our parents went, yep, no worries, because they didn't get the opportunity to play sports. So you now I did a lot of other sports before I started league. You know, my main sport was gymnastics and little athletics before I started rugby league. Uh, and then I started league when I was 10. So my mum was always driving us out everywhere to any sport we wanted to play. So, you know, work ethic was a massive thing. My dad always used to say that you don't get, get anywhere in life without hard work, and that was always ingrained in us. So um, that, was, that was pretty set that, you know, you had to work
0: hard to get what you want Mm. you you mentioned that um you know life after sport you're very conscious of it you're a planner clearly Uh, at what point during your career did you think about personal brand marketing all of that sort of stuff that is now relatively commonplace for the modern Mm. athlete well for me like i was
2: even growing up i'd always like the Talk to people, or if I had a function with sponsors, just get around and say hello. I was never one to just um, sit in the corner and uh, hang with the boys all night. You know, I wanted to get out and meet people, and that was just that was just natural for myself, and um, and also with meeting my wife as well, who uh, is in the fashion game, fashion business. You know, getting out and meeting. Um, Different people and uh, getting away from rugby league at times uh, mentally. So um, it was, it was sort of wasn't in, wasn't ingrained in me. But I was always love a love a chat. But then mm. my wife had a different element too, where I would go and support her at a fashion show in this completely different world, yeah. you know. And you, you don't you don't talk about footy. You have to talk about something else. Yeah. So that was um, that was great in my personal development as well. And so you're building a broad network. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um yeah, that was that was um that was great for me as well. And then sort of towards the the end of your career when, you know, you you have some third party sponsors on board. Um, you know, just trying to um you know interact with them and 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 um I suppose uh, be ambassadors for mm. for the brands that you're working with. Uh, and you know, it's sort of come a little bit natural from the start. Mm. The
1: the game has grown significantly since two thousand when you started. Um, is it a goal of the NRL? Do you think to become a national game and translate that immense power and brand within New South Wales and Queensland into a certain degree Melbourne, and and actually kind of broaden the
2: appeal? Oh, look, it, it'll be nice. It'll be it'll be great to have a. Uh, team in every state again. Um, I think it's very hard um, to run a football club, you know, costs anywhere upwards from 22 million, 20, 24 million. So it's it's quite expensive. Like even most clubs will run on a loss and um, their leagues club will uh, help them out. Um, so it is, you know, when you look at the numbers, um, it is tough to run a footy club and make it profitable
0: particularly tough in Adelaide. Adelaide can be a, a tough city <laughs> to um, to kick things off. How do you go about engaging a city like Adelaide where, you know, Aussie rules is very much entrenched? Yep. Um, what do you think it's going to take? Well, um, you know, when we first
2: announced that we're having a game down here, I was pretty excited because I've never been to Adelaide O before. So we're down here in February and we did some um, promotion in the schools. Um, and, yeah, it was definitely... Uh, or AFL based, and then we held a uh, coaching clinic for some kids, and it was a great turnout. And then yesterday we did a couple of schools, and um, you no, know, there was a little bit more interest around, I suppose, rugby league. And we held another clinic on Adelaide Oval, and there was you know two hundred kids there, so it was it was great to see. Um, so we're hoping that the fans can come out and support us and, and see a good game of footy because you know Melbourne Storm are on top of the table, so um, it's going to be uh, a fantastic game in twenty uh, fourth of June. So. Well,
1: Anthony, we are getting
2: the wind up. You, you've got you've got you've got some
1: kids waiting for you. You've got to um you know head out to the uh, the community and yeah. and um and promote the game. We really appreciate taking the time to be on off field and giving us an insight into you know life beyond just uh you know the 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 pitch and um and uh, yeah, spending some time with us, mate. So really no, I appreciate guys. it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Rooster Radio. Make sure you subscribe to our show if you haven't already. And if you like what we're doing, please leave us a review. Check out our website, roosterradio.biz, to connect with us and listen to previous episodes.